Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to episode 210. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is journalist, writer, dog mom, Jessica Salagi. Hi, Dave. Hey, howdy. How are you? I couldn't tell if you were like actually ready for me to talk. I, you know. Well, I, I do need to tell you this week we have the Ku Klux Commissioner, Herschel Drawing Fire, <laughs> the Lawmaker Exodus, the would-be infant legislator, and the crossover debacle. Can you say that first one three times in a row? No. Can you try? No. I have a hard enough time getting through the disclaimer I have to read every week. Ku Klux Commissioner. The Ku Klux Commissioner. No, it's not Clue. It's Ku Klux Commissioner. I'm sorry. (laughs) Having never been a member (laughs) of the Hooded Society, (laughs) I didn't know that was a faux pas. That's okay. (laughs) How you doing? I'm fine. How's your week been? Good, good. Uh, I saw the dogs had a good uh, St. Patty's Day. Always. Well, Stanley is excited about every day. Like, he's just smiling and happy and excited about, like, every single thing that we do every day. (laughs) He's just smiling all the time, so. Ah, to have that excitement in life, huh? I know. Yeah, he wakes up going, oh boy, oh boy, it's another day. I wake up going, ugh, it starts again. I know, the sun's up again. (laughs) Bad news, I didn't die in my sleep. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's that escalated quickly. <laughs> no, we had, uh, I, I did my corned beef, which I boil in a 50-50 mix of uh, Guinness and water. And uh, because there's only two of us, there's plenty left over to have Rubens this weekend. What's Hence, the sodium content on that? Oh, it's high. Yeah. But uh, you, you wash the... Uh, the beef off when you take the corning out you take it out of, out of the package there's a you know the corning is a sodium nitrate is is what preserves it and you wash as much of the excess salt off of it but yeah it's it, the sodium content is pretty damn high it's a small wonder i'm on on blood pressure medicine huh yeah no i just um i've had like one personal experience with it and i i'm pretty sure it was like the bojangles effect where like my lips swelled up from all the salt in it, um, and I just wonder. Bojangles like, effect, or is that the Kim Kardashian effect? Um, no, I don't get injections. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. Just eat some, eat some corned beef. Right. It's cheaper too. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but corned beef is just. It's like you have. To, I think you have to love it. I don't think it's something you can just eat if you're not like. A, well, yeah. It, I, I love a good Reuben. Uh, there's a place in not too far from where you're from in Sandy Springs uh, called Joey D's Oak Room, and they it's a it's a fairly high end steakhouse, but they also have an open face Reuben, and they get their corned beef from the Carnegie Deli in New York, and it's fan friggin' tastic. But, wow. you know, I, I, I grew up in South Florida with a bunch of New Yorkers, so I grew up eating Rubens and things like that. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I, I'm from an Irish family, so we ate a lot of corned beef hash and, and things like that as a kid. 
In fact, I may have enough left over to make corned beef hash and poached eggs for breakfast. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, this week's culinary tips. <laughs> so, election news. We have former KKK leader who was imprisoned for beating a black man qualifies for office in Georgia. Chester Doles. Or is it Doles? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Doles. Yeah, Dulles, he wouldn't be in the KKK, huh? Probably not. <laughs> Especially if you had that, like, Hispanic flair on the end of it that you tried to do that first time, like, Dulles. And now I'm on his hit list. Yeah. Um. So he was the Grand Clayliff? Is that how you... Like, is that like a spin on Bailiff? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Um, of the Invisible Empire, Knights of the Ku Klux Klan... And he's running for office in Lumpkin County. So when I first saw that part, I was like, okay, so, you know, not everybody should run for office, but whatever. But it gets worse, like, the more you read about him. Yeah, and Lumpkin County has a, a – one, uh, one of the branches I managed years ago when I, when I was in banking was incoming. Uh, coming, uh, Lumpkin County has a fairly checkered past when it comes to racism, and um, there were marches on coming. This is going back to the back to the eighties and nineties, uh, maybe even the seventies. Uh, there well, were Lumpkin's Delonica. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's Forsyth. Lumpkin's Delonica. Sorry, yeah, same, yeah. It yeah. is the same thing, and you. I mean, I think you're on the right track of. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the checkered pass with it. Yeah, Lumpkin is good. Lumpkin is also where North Georgia College is. I, I, uh, they only have 1.2% um, population that is black or African American as of the 2020 census and 87% white. Um, and what's interesting is that Hispanics... Um, and other quote or other slash mixed, um, the, that category, both those categories are larger than the black population in Lumpkin County, which you don't often, um, hear that to be the case, which leads me to go to what you were about, what you were talking about, the checkered past. Like sometimes communities that have really awful paths like that don't ever recover or are still trying to recover. Like they have not, um, it and what's funny is I, I the first branch I managed was, was in uh, in Dahlonega. Um, <clears throat> here's I would think that the uh, the people would rebel against that because there's they don't want to be associated with it. But like, but as you were saying before, uh, the more you look into him, the worse it gets with his experience as quote unquote white activism. Yeah, that's his term. Like he said, yeah, my resume is of being in a Nazi political organization, the National Alliance and the Hammerskins. Um, he calls that white activism. And, you know, the affiliation is uh, bad enough. But then when you consider that his activism includes federal charges in the 90s for uh, beating a black man. It, misunderstandings just, or extenuating circumstances. Yeah, that's what he called 
the beating, um, which, you know, the feds get it wrong every now and then. I won't say that, but or they won't say, won't say they won't. They don't. But um, for something like that, I have a hard time believing that he was just like some target of now, you know, an, a, an FBI a agent. A beating that to- is different from a fight. Mm-hmm. A fight it implies means- one person isn't fighting back. Well, it, that it, it went beyond a fight. A beating, a fight is, uh, you know, I best you, you best me, it's over. A beating is, you know, you best me, and then you continue. Uh, mm-hmm. He says he's now reformed. Sure. Uh, thanks to former U.S. Senate candidate and preacher Derek Grayson. Of all people, you know, he's black. You know, it's possible. Of course it's possible. The point is that maybe it's not the best interest. Maybe you should be in some you you should be running for election in some sort of like civic organization where you are trying to lead other people to reformation or um share your your story of reformation. I I don't It's possible. Uh, yeah. It's just not suitable for County commission, honestly. And I'm trying to recall the musician's name, and I can't. We talked about him on the show before, but he uh, would talk to these people, the the Ku Klux Klan people, and he actually has a collection of Klan hoods. And I and I can picture I can picture the the photos and all that stuff. He has a collection of Klan hoods from people that, instead of turning his back and walking away, he would sit down and have conversations with these people, and and they would say, you know, I've never sat down and talked to a black guy honestly before. And he would he would conv- he would convert these people. So it's absolutely possible. I don't think it's uh, the the best look for Lumpkin County to elect him because that's going to be the headline is is former whatever he was Grand Poopa. That is uh, the handline headline. I mean, right? That it's. And it's not is not good for the county. And, and if he really cares about the people of Lumpkin, if he really cares about getting the best done for Lumpkin County, the best thing would be to support somebody else financially and stay out of the limelight himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is the, the the best advice for people is there are people that you know have a ton of political power by not running for office because there's something in their past they they don't want brought up, whether it's infidelity or if it's uh whatever it is they they went to jail when they were a kid they they really don't want that you know drudged dredged up in front of in front of the public it's it's sometimes it's better just just to i won't say stay stay uh, on the wings but certainly don't walk center stage yeah and you know and a lot of times it's better for your family it's better for the community as a whole to do that it's just it's not that he shouldn't be allowed because I support a felon getting their rights back if they've completed their sentence. And, you know, it, and I and I don't I if I believe that for violent criminal or violent felons as opposed to nonviolent, then it doesn't matter what their crime is. Like I I consistently believe that and I believe that, you know, everyone, regardless of their beliefs, should be allowed to run. I just think that. It's not a good idea, and I wish he wouldn't, just for the community, because, I mean, 
the conversation, this is how dangerous people get elected regardless, maybe not violently dangerous or racially dangerous, but his opponent is going to say, well, I'm not the white supremacist, so vote for me. Well, I'll tell you, Lumpkin has a checkered past financially, too. Uh, I was there when I, when I was a branch manager there, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Lumpkin County was bankrupt. Nice. I mean, it literally went bankrupt. It, it, I, I sat in meetings with a bunch of bank executives as to how we were going to bail out Lumpkin County. How did you? Be- uh, there was there were some loans made. It, loaning to a municipality is tough because your collateral doesn't mean anything because mm. you can't take city hall and go put it, the bank sign out front says for sale. But one of their well, you could previous- it just takes an act of the IRS and well, that- it also it takes chutzpah to do mm. that because because the people in the town are going to turn against, turn against yeah. that institution. Uh, but. Their pre the, their chairman apparently took a bunch of money and ran off. Nice. And it did a bunch of underhanded stuff, and they they went belly up. And, and I don't remember the names again. We're talking two plus decades ago, because I'm old, Jessica. I you know, know, you were in middle school. It's okay. <laughs> but but in, you know, in the, in two thousand is that what you said? It was late nineties, early. I was 2000s. in elementary school. Okay, screw you. <laughs> so, demolition, demolition derby in G- Georgia as Herschel Walker's GOP primary rivals slam the Senate front runner. Good. Oh, yeah, I'm like, but- I don't like any of them. Just what? Go ahead, watch it burn. I, I, I mean. Mm. All right, so Fox News uh, poll conducted uh, March uh, 2 through 6 indicated that Walker is at 66% support of unlikely Republican primary voters in Georgia. With Black a very distant second at 8%, all other candidates received 6% combined. My question is why? Why? Because he's Herschel damn Walker. I know, but they don't, you know, I know people. So I have a friend who, who knows him has a very like close personal relationship with him. And, you know, we, uh, so for that reason, we haven't gotten into like all the negatives and stuff, but he's shared with me some of the positives of him and his, his position, like outside of politics and why he at least respects him on that level. So I can understand that because we all give passes to people we know and like, and whatever. Most of these people don't know him and they're giving him so their passes that he played football or that Donald Trump endorsed him. No, it's not Donald Trump. He won a natty and he won a Heisman. That's I, I, it. I think it's part it's it's both. Yeah, but I mean, look, the the yeah, the Trump endorsement may help, but Herschel's door to politics in Georgia was always open because he's Herschel Dan Walker. Now, it doesn't matter that he won't take a debate, which I find repugnant. It's also because yeah, he's, he's new- never run for or held office before. The people deserve to hear him debate. Yeah, he's a neophyte. He, this, is not his, this is not his arena. Now, look, I, I'm not insulting him. If I, if I were to hop on the football field, he would whoop me. If he were to walk on a, de- on a debate stage, I would whoop him. He doesn't – he, he can – He's pulling the, the uh, Biden. 
essentially, you know, hang out in the basement, make appearances, read off, read off of the, the cue cards and walk away, shake hands, take pictures with people. That's it. And you know what? As scary as it is, that may be a winning strategy. No, it's not because he's going to you think he's going to just not debate his way all the way to the through a general election? Yes. No. Yes. No. That's that that's what's going to happen is he's is, That's not he, a winning strategy. He's going to go up against Warnock and the people of Georgia are going to look down and see Herschel Dan Walker. Yeah, they're going to see Herschel Dan Walker behind Raphael Warnock's $20 million campaign account incumbency with a laundry list of handouts that have been offered. And, and I mean, I told you the way they send out press releases, it's like every single day they do it in a, in this manner that I've never seen before, um, from an elected official of basically saying, I did this for you and this is exactly what I did. And this is the specific line item I addressed today for you. Well, you're also discounting the uh, motivation of Republicans this particular cycle. Sure, but because because it's a it's a non presidential year, you we t- we tend to see the pendulum swing the other way in that off off year. Uh, we, we almost always see the president lose Congress. Yes, Be- but I don't know that that necessarily happens because of Georgia. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I would like to see us split the split the Senate. I don't think Georgia can. I don't think Herschel can beat Warnock. I don't. Oh, I, I don't know if he can or not. I, he certainly can't debate him. Warnock was a damn preacher. He is accustomed to standing in front of people and extracting money. Ooh, Dave. Whoo! <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. It's true, though. I mean, he gave sermons for a living. Yeah. I also sent you the article from uh, a few years ago when I was quoted uh, the gun buyback. I I forgot that it was organized by Raphael Warnock, uh, gun buyback in Atlanta. And I was out there with a bunch of other people giving cash instead of gift cards and poaching the guns before they got to the gun buyback. And he and, and he was mad at me. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> He's a a clown. And I would never... Under any circumstance, give him my vote. I just... You're calling balls and strikes. That's fine. Yeah, but Herschel Walker, I just don't think he has it in him. He doesn't... Like, we literally have not heard him say anything. But but who does? <laughs> Geriatric Gary Black? No, he looks awful. And those photos and his latest campaign ads, like, whoa, buddy, what happened? And that's the best he can look. He's getting up there in age, and I think his time as the agriculture commissioner is obviously really um, taking a toll on him. He also keeps his office like seventy-eight degrees. Yeah, I had. I think I told you about that. I had no. I was I was in his office in a suit. By the time I got done with the meeting, the jacket was off, the tie was loose. My rolled my sleeves up. I was dying in there, and Gary's in there in a friggin' sweater. No, I. Was in his office one day when I worked at the Capitol with the, at the legislature, and we were in there for a meeting about something that was taking quite a while. And I was dozing off because the heat made me like, you know, lose consciousness. Yeah, but uh, Gary, uh, 
Okay, running uh, digital ads about alleged past violent behavior by Walker, including an alleged incident where Walker held a razor to his ex-wife's throat, choked her, and later put a gun to her head. He Gary Black is figures. the only he's the only person who could run that ad of all the people because the other two aren't they don't they're unknowns and people would reject that outright kind of like when Clay Tippins did um that one commercial against Kemp or Kegel I mean excuse me um or maybe with all the candidates I don't know but he, because he's an unknown like people pref- if they they will tolerate that from an incumbent. Yeah, then you have Kelvin King and the AJC, quote, Herschel Walker talks about working hard and fighting for the interests of Georgia, yet he works behind the scenes to ensure a level of celebrity comfort and exclusiveness, separating himself from the questions and engagement that Georgians demand. This, uh, this is a campaign, not an autograph tour for those who can pay for an access fee. I agree. Well, I agree with him, but he's wrong. It is absolutely an autograph tour. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what's going on. Uh, Latham Sadler uh, uh, comments that Walker had lived in Texas for years before moving back to Georgia to run for Senate. He, quote, abandoned Georgia. It's clear I- he's not willing to debate any of us. So my question to the voters out there is, how is that going to work against Raphael Warnock, as we were just talking about? I mean, abandoning Georgia is a bit of an extreme. I agree about the second part of his statement, but saying that he abandoned Georgia is, is um, that's that's not, come on. Just because he moved, For, I mean, people move all the time. That doesn't mean they're abandoning their state. At, as I recall, he was a Dallas Cowboy. I mean, he lived in the state where, where he last worked. Uh, he's from South Georgia. He is a he is Georgia born. Uh, uh, he's I, I don't know. I, I'm not defending him. Bonnie searched the imagination. No, I'm just saying but- that's that's I, I do find it disingenuous to pick up your bags, buy a house, move to a state where you can uh, because you're encouraged to by by other people to go run for Senate. Uh, sure. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean he can't represent the state well. Just uh, whatever. I just think it's a not a uh, good look. The last part of it is more important. Like he could have left the first part off and made it made so much more of an impact, saying he's unwilling to debate any of us. Right. And that you know they should like, harp so- him on that. Like people would be like, okay, well, because you can't what. What is the response if if someone if for for Herschel his supporters. I mean, look at what his campaign communications director said when Gary Black blasted him. Um, she didn't address the allegations. She said the only thing worse is Gary Black's numbers, you know? Well, yeah, nice little quip, but it doesn't say much. Well, out here and. Uh, House District 64, which is a new house. I mean, obviously, it's not a new number, but new district out here. We have three people who qualified, and one of them being a a kid named Preston Para. He is 20 years old. He will not turn 21 until December. And Section 3, 
paragraph three, line B, dictates that anyone, uh, any uh, one running for house must be 21 at time of election. The election is held in November. He will not be 21 until December. Uh, he was allowed to qualify. Secretary of State uh, let it fly through. The Georgia Republican Party let it fly through. And uh, he is now going to court on April 4th to, yeah. for a judge to decide if at time of election means taking office or the date that the ballots are cast. Um, we talked about this before the show and I, I thought you were quite wrong about it. Um, I understand what the law says. And I understand what the constitution says. I think it's, I think our law is inconsistent with everything else, which talks about taking office. Um, you don't, I mean, when you qualify, you don't have to live there for the time. It's when you take office. And I also think if you can serve your country. With a, with and, a, and which he is. He lists his employer as the Georgia National Guard. But if they can send your butt to Ukraine, they can send your butt God to the forbid. legislature. Well, here's the thing. You can, you can serve in the Army at 18, but you can't run for president until you're 35. Can't run for, for U.S. Senate, I think, until 30. And House Representative until you're 25. I, it, look, if you want to change the Constitution, that's fine. And here's the problem with changing the Constitution. is It's just like raising the drinking age. We all agree it should be done, but once you hit 21, nobody cares. Because it doesn't apply to you anymore. Because people don't stand on principle. It's gonna for me. The interesting thing on this is the is what's going to be read in court. Because as we know, court cases come down to minute details, and the word election is going to come down to uh, does the judge feel is defined as the date of election or the date of taking office? Is the day that is the day he's elected the day he takes office? So it'll come down to how the judge feels. And then, of course, there's going to be an appeal on either side, presumably. The problem being, if he does, and I don't think he's going to, he's going to win the, the primary. If he does win the primary and then he gets disqualified, the Repub Republicans won't have anybody running in 64. Because it's not like it goes, it's not like being Miss America and goes to the first runner up. They just won't have anybody to, to run on that seat. It'll, it'll automatically go to the Democrats, which it may anyway, because it takes a it's a big chunk of, uh, of Douglas County. Also, it's a slice of Paulding with a lot of Douglas in it. But it's it's to me, it's more interesting than 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 anything else. I'm not wholly offended by him running or anything else. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to vote for a 20 year old kid, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have the the right to run. Uh, it, it, but to me, it's, it, it's more interesting, the legal minutia uh, as far as in the, in the, the twisting of the words is whether election means day you take office or the day that the, the, uh, the people go to the polls. And if we're a president, it would be the day the actual electors got together and when it's certified by Congress. 
Yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean the date it's certified. So if he goes all the way through and they're not certified until after his birthday, is that the date that he's elected? It's it's uh, uh, it's interesting. I'll just say it, it's it's interesting on that one. It'd be be fun to watch it. It will be the court case is April four, so that that's a Monday, and hopefully the by the next Monday we'll we'll be able to come back with news of what the judge said. So. Yeah. Stay on that, Dave. <laughs> Stay on it. Uh, mass exodus of lawmakers means big turnover after 2022 elections, Jessica. Yeah, I like numbers, of course. We know that. I like statistics, and I like looking at like all of the... As long as there's no math involved. Correct. Well, I mean, I can, like, if it's just counting, I can usually get that done. <laughs> but I don't like analyzing, like... You know, big time stuff. I can do like, I want. I like want to know how many Republicans are being challenged and divide that by the total number of Republicans and give you a percentage. That is like, that is my statistical analysis. But I think it's super interesting. But anyway, um, I'm always fascinated by like who's running unopposed in an election. And in the Senate, we have 25 percent of our senators, incumbents running unopposed. Um, in the primary and 25% just about in the house running unopposed, which I thought was interesting that they're so close when Senate has 56 and house has 180. Well, that's interesting. You know, my senator's running completely unopposed. Yeah. Which I don't like. It's not about, I mean, I don't like all the votes your Senator casts, but it's not about, it's a fa- it's the fact that like nobody else wants to serve and cuz there's 30% of the senators are running unopposed in both the primary and the general and then when you think about how many are not returning like there's 17.8% of the districts have no incumbent returning so well it's interesting to me that they're not running a democrat against Jason Anavatarde uh mm-hmm. mostly because out here the democrats are sacrificial lambs and they're put out there to make sure that the incumbent has to spend money it's a, it's a tr- strategic move to make sure that they can't send those campaign funds to to other races that they have to hold it in-house and they, and they have to actually run a race you know the the democrats that are running against joseph gullet or martin mumptahan they know they're not going to win but they're there to make sure that they don't just you know walk through re-election without spending money. And Jason now has has the ability to do that. And look, Jason's done a, a, as good a job as as any other senator. I, I don't I mean it I, I also have to wonder after as ugly of a race that he won out here and we talked about it 2 years ago. It it was an ugly 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 race. Uh with with mailers and flyers that that sort of stuff didn't scare off anybody who might have thrown their hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, that it's, it's one, it was one of the races that turned me off of the idea of even running for office because it was just, it was so personal. It was so ugly on, on, every, on everybody's part. And this is not throw, throwing stones at Jason. It's, it's, it's not. But the race was ugly. You know, questioning whether Jason was a citizen, 
are implying that that you know he he's an immigrant when his father was from Puerto Rico. So the, it it was a super super ugly race, and I, I think that may sour a lot of people from from running for office because they don't want to get involved in that. They want to talk about issues, and the electorate is more inv- uh, more interested in watching Jerry Springer. Yeah. They are, and, you know, they just think that, I think, I think especially the Senate is particularly intimidating for people, because um, it is a larger, I mean, down here we have this, one of our Senate districts is, I think, nine, 17 counties, which it's a lot for state Senate, you know? Um, it is. It is. It's a lot easier to knock on doors when those doors are on quarter acre lots. Right. I am really surprised by how many um, people aren't coming back, though. I Like I said, there's I think there's 10 out of 56 senators not returning. So obviously that's an open seat. And um, in the House, the list is even longer. Um, what was it? It was 42 seats where the incumbent is not returning either because of retirement or because there's you know the district has changed so that district has no yeah incumbent. I, I would say it, it coincides a lot with re, with redistricting it really doesn't though there's only like three districts where people are pitted against each other so those representatives are going somewhere well like Michael Gravely's uh district 67 essentially went away but he's leaving. Yeah, exactly. He's he's so leaving. It's the same. It's it's a net. I mean, his district also, went away, his, but so did he. So, well, his district. I, I think his district went away because he's leaving. Right. But my point is that it doesn't matter. Like reapportionment hasn't really taken. Reapportionment is only going to be responsible for three departures. People aren't like the people who are leaving are leaving because they. Or they're, they're, they were reapportioned because they were willing to step out and bow out. Well, and I think that number should be higher. I think uh, three terms in the House is enough. Like you can get everything you, you want to get done in the House in, in six years and move on. Either move up to the Senate or move out. I, I, think, th- I think six years is the right amount before you become a cog in the machine. Well, that's assuming you didn't start as a cog in the machine. There are several people that got elected and they were already pre-cut cogs to go in the machine. Yep. But I, somebody I, I, who starts it and just has like the good, the best of intentions and a, a pure heart and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think by end of six years, you either, uh, you either, do the right thing and step aside, let some new blood in there, or you become a part of the machine. And the, the machine's the problem. You know, hell, I th- of people running unopposed, one of them's the damn speaker. Well, he never has opposition. It's too expensive. He has so much money. So Frank much. Kelly's running again. I cannot believe that. I no, I do. I mean, look, he doesn't live in district anymore. He lives. I mean, I'm sure his his mail still goes to soon his soon to be ex wife's house, but 
from what I read from last last show or show before that with the campaign disclosures, he's got a year-round apartment in Atlanta. That's where he's living. Last time I saw him, his suits were hanging up in the back of his truck. Mm-hmm. I don't mean the bed of his truck, but you know his SUV. But he was living out of his damn vehicle because he wasn't welcome at home. I and, and of all the things to hop on Trey about the. I can't believe that the the drama with his wife is is more interesting to people than the dead guy on the side of the road. I yes, I can. Again, Jerry Springer. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. Last week in the Georgia legislature, it was crossover day. The second worst day each legislative season, Jessica. Yeah. 63 votes in the Senate, 50 or in the House, 53 in the Senate, which, you know, some people are like, that's not really that much. It's, it's a lot, especially when you start at 10. And you break for lunch and you break for dinner and you break for little committee meetings and, you know, there's lulls in between stuff and it's a lot. It is a lot now, look, of voting. For people who've never been down there, when they read these bills, there's no way you can read the bill and vote on 63 in 24 hours. No. It, uh, they read the synopsis of the bill and it, the dude sounds like an auctioneer. Except yeah, auctioneers actually enunciate more. It is as fast as they can get to it, mumbled into the microphone, and then it's a, you know, vote. Mm-hmm. You know, presumably the the representatives or the senators have read the bill. Sometimes uh, not. They, 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 a lot of them read them like we read headlines. So they'll read the the synopsis on the top. They don't actually read the bill. And I was told a long time ago by by a rep that it's impossible to read everything that comes across because you just can't. It's impossible. No, I mean, well, it's not impossible because so it is impossible to to read every line. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Um do I think that lawmakers should have I don't and I don't support the way that they do it, but do I think that lawmakers should have a general awareness of the bills that are um moving through committees and coming out of rules so that like very few are surprises? Yes, I do think that. And if they were less concerned with photo ops and um you know who the speaker of the day is and you know, what theme the day is at the Capitol, like if it's peanut butter jelly day instead of, you know, what bills are moving and they're going to have to vote on, I think there might be a little bit more awareness. Yeah, and look, it, most of the reps and senators are very aware of every line of the bill that comes to their committees. So whatever committee they're on, those bills get, get discussed at length. But I, I, I'm sure they're less aware of, of what comes through other committees when they're sitting on on the House floor or the Senate floor, 
they're they're reading headlines or they're depending on somebody else on staff or they pay somebody to to go through and give them a a synopsis on what what it uh what it entails and they they read the top couple lines and then vote up or down and more likely what happens is the speaker decides i want this to pass and his his people go around and say look we, we need votes on this uh if you give us a, a yay on this we'll we'll go ahead and push this bill that you want and have it come up for a vote and that's the, you know that sort of bargaining goes goes on in the capital all the time you it's know horrible we need this and if and if you give me this i'll give you that uh, it is but there's there's look if you cross if you cross the speaker nothing you do will matter for the for the rest of time i mean it's you you become marjorie green at at the us capitol all you can do is sit there and vote yes or no because nothing else you say is going to matter. Anything you put your name on is dead on arrival. So we have lawmaker pay raise. Is that coming to the ballot? Uh, if it goes to the Senate, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's going to the Senate, but if it goes through the Senate successfully, then it will. Um, good old Wes Cantrell never fails to disappoint um, from Cherokee County. So... It's the one, I think we talked about it before, about the concept, but um, this is in the form of an amendment, and it would basically give um, the lawmakers a salary that is 60% of the median, median income of Georgians. So, of course, it could go up. It could also go down. Um, not as likely. Uh, this would begin... Um, 23, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it would be on like the November 2022 election. But it says, this isn't the ballot language says, shall the Georgia, <laughs> this is so freaking obnoxious, shall the Constitution of Georgia be amended to restrict the ability of the General Assembly to increase the salary of state senators and representatives and establish a standard salary of individuals equal to uh, 60% of the median household income of Georgia. Um, how many, how many times have I said any of these things, these ballot initiatives are all in the wording? Well, of course, but restrict the ability makes it sound like we're limiting them. Like should our lawmakers get a pay raise? No or hell no. Yeah. It's, do you want to kill puppies? Yes or no. Do you like puppies? Yes or no. It, that, that's, that's, it, it all comes down to the wording and, and the way it's worded. You're right. It sounds like if you're if you don't listen to the show. And so you're obviously ill informed if you don't listen to our show every week. You think this is a restriction on the government. It's not. And look. I know there's a pay raise going through Congress right now, too. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there's like 20 percent or something crazy. Uh and I and I hear people saying, well, seventeen thousand five hundred whatever it is dollars a year plus the hundred seventy eight dollars a day, one hundred seventy three dollars a day per diem is not enough. No, you know it, it discourages working people who can't take that sort of time off from running for office. Horse hockey. I, I, 
I'm surprised to see this actually come through in election year. I'm not, because all the people who aren't returning can be a clear yes vote without any repercussion. Well, of course they can, but the people who are r- running for, for election, and of course they have the cover of, uh, if someone says, why you vote yourself a pay raise? I did not. I voted to, to put it to the people. Mm-hmm. With a dumbass question. With a, with a question with a predetermined answer. Oh, uh, we got to move on. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, 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 uh. we have non-text credits, uh, uh extended or, uh, or uh, credits or exemptions extended or created. Uh, nine of them. Nine. Nine. Uh, that's just a lot for a single day. Cause that's not, I mean, there's been other ones, um, already. So odds are, if you're listening to this, it does not apply to you. No. You know, if you if you own a, st- a movie studio, you probably are not listening to, this, to the podcast. I haven't seen anything for podcasters. Nothing. That's okay. We'd have to make money first. Mm, no, that's <laughs> the entire point is that they should give us something for just. Oh yeah, yeah. Hand out. Uh, school choice legislation goes up in flames. That was in the Senate. I put it in the wrong chart, but yeah, um, it really, it really bombed. Um, and since you mentioned it, we can just talk about it now. But um, this one was by Senator Butch Miller, and it was the voucher Georgia Educational Freedom Act, similar to what they were doing in the House. And um, it failed 20 to 29, which you really don't hear about that very much. But the rural rural lawmakers were the ones that um, kind of tanked it because, you know, FTE money and and everything, but I also thought it was hilarious about who was not there to vote, like Billy Hickman, my senator, Jeff Mullis, Blake Tillery, um, Huff Stetler, Jen Jordan, who's running for AG, Frank Ginn, and Dean Burke. They were all excused, so they didn't vote. Um, they were there the rest of the day, but they didn't vote on the school choice bill. Yeah, we have um, streamlining government regulations uh, with another, another regulation. Food truck permitting. Yeah. I mean, Uh, they want to make it so that you can just apply for, apparently right now, like food trucks have to get a permit in every county and it's very expensive, which is ridiculous. So the state's like, hey, we'll just, instead of just saying, um, you know, we'll do a statewide system and call it a day, they're going to do a statewide system and the county you call home so it's still two because they wouldn't dare take away money from the locals um, lord no and then they'll go from there that's kind of the cool thing about when you travel out of the country and you see roadside stands stuff that it's not it's not government sanctioned it's, or anything it's just that that's sort of the cool thing about the idea of food trucks i, I don't know man uh yes if they if they took it and they made, made it a statewide license and took away the county. But yeah, they're not going to take money away from locals because locals w- would revolt and they all want to get elected. All right. Beauty pageant safety. I don't know where this came from. Um, I mean, I do. Jason Ridley is the sponsor, but it requires entrance of a beauty pageant to be provided with an internet website for the operator, an email address for the organization that's hosting it, and an email address of the individual authorized to accept service of process. So I guess like 
if you're going to sue someone about a pageant. I'm not sure. I don't know what happened. I know that, I mean, the pageant world is a world of its own. Um, but it very just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't. I, safety but to me would be you safety. Know. An email address is going to make you safer. A website's going to make you safer. I thought the yeah, web. Exactly. I thought the internet is where all the trafficking happens. I mean, oh, I thought it was low uh, low budget hotels when they want to take over that ho- that property and uh, build build a uh, mixed use facility. Well, they just they just said that because they. The strip club bill was ruled unconstitutional, so they had to move the target. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Senate real quick because we're going to run short on time. Got 609, Jeff Mullins, making medical cannabis commission subject to state procurement laws. This goes back to something we talked about in a past episode about um, transparency for the cannabis commission simply because lawmakers couldn't get information, not because they want to be super transparent. Like you're telling me that nobody thought that – a state board should be subject to state board regulations when this first went through two, three years ago. Like, sorry, I know you're dumb, but you're not that dumb. Um, they want it to be secret. Right. And so now they're like, oh, we want it to be transparent because they can't get any no. answers about it. Yeah, we and want they it to be probably secret to the people, know, not us. Well, they want to they know, they want to be able to, um, you know, beat those bids when they leave the legislature. So SB 96, Lester Jackson requires VA health cards to be sufficient forms of ID for notary to confirm identity of a person. I mean, no, no big problem here. I, I didn't, I didn't write ID. all these. Yeah. I mean, I didn't write all these. These were just things that they did. I didn't, I mean, I don't think yeah. all of them are, I think yeah, what you, Randy Robertson did was um, obnoxious, which is, add to like add to the list of people who can have their um state license for being a mortgage loan originator um revoked or denied if there's a felony conviction like it used to be the broker and another person now it's anyone who's involved in the residential mortgage loan process that's tough because if you're a processor uh you're a secretary and, and, I, and I'm sorry if I'm insulting mortgage loan processors, but you're taking, you're compiling data to get to the closing. It, you, for this, in my opinion, they to 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 take somebody's license because you have to be, you have to be licensed to, to work on mortgages to take their license when all you're doing is taking information from your boss and then calling the client and saying, "Hey, I need your tax returns. I need this. I need this. I need this." And then your boss is the one committing the felony, and then. And then to take away your ability to make a make a living is pretty crappy. You know, it, it, now if you can show that the processor was complicit in it, they should go to jail and lose their license, of course. But to to, to say the process, like I said, a mortgage loan processor has a big job because the the originators out there selling what they're doing is they're to to compare this to hunting is they're slaying the beast. And they hand it off to the processor to, to skin and, and cut into steaks, and they go and slay another one. The, the processor, if they're not in on the scam, why the hell would you take their license? I don't know. And it's not just a felony related to that. I mean. Uh, that's true. You know, it's a felony conviction. So 
So yeah, if you get if you get caught with with a uh, uh, more than an ounce of weed, or uh, your third DUI means you can't work as a processor. Well, and I think it's funny that they specify that it's for residential like it's okay to scam people or have felony convictions if you're <laughs> hey, commercial. Doing commercial yeah i mean okay uh 47 uh sheila mcneil requires that diagnostic breast examinations not be treated less favorably than screenings uh, uh mammography for breast cancer with respect to cost sharing requirements uh you got to help me on this one. I, I mean, I mean, so there's just different types of exams, and they don't want it. They basically want to regulate insurance and say that they can't do any. They can't treat one differently than the other, um, which sounds great in practice. I mean, yeah, I, but I would prefer the company choose to do that willingly because there there may be a different cost. Um, so, like, so we're talking we're talking about uh, doing an ultrasound. Uh, it, look. This is what I know about mammograms and you know, being being the husband. Sometimes something comes up on the mammogram that's suspect. And you, they go and they do an ultrasound and they'll say, oh, okay, it's fibrous tissue or, or hey, we need, really need to biopsy this thing. It doesn't make sense to me that the, the state is getting involved in it. Like if uh, uh, you're on an employee-provided health plan, and they say well, we're not going we're not going to cover the ultrasound after the mammogram found something or whatever it is and you go to your employer and say hey our health plan sucks and and they lose business that way i i don't know man i i, I much prefer a, a free market than the state get involved cuz all this is going to do when they start mandating stuff is cause is cause the the price of of insurance to go up yeah of insurance. course Insurance companies are not in the business of losing money. You know, insurance went up when all of our our uh, uh, exams and stuff got to be free. And they say we, you know, you have to make your your annual exam free. You have to make this free. You have to make this. Well, guess what? It's not free. They just increase the price somewhere else. Dipstick. Um. I, and I don't understand why 39 senators sponsored the bill. 39, 39. out of 56. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, what a big hurdle to pass when 39 out of 56 uh, uh, co-sponsor it. <laughs> so, Jessica, as, as we're winding down, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I know everybody's like super emotional about what you're going to talk about, so I'll let you go ahead and... Oh, I... You know, we lost Freddie Freeman. I mean, to the LA Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't lose He's him not permanently. dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. Uh, although I did appreciate the picture of him and his wife walking away because it was just a gratuitous picture of both of their butts. Mm -hmm. um, Freddie was here for 15 years, did a great job. Uh, he This was his last bite at the apple to get his, to get his big contract. This is his third contract. He's 32 years old. He turns 33 in September, I think. Uh, and he wanted he wanted a, a contract for the rest of his career. And Atlanta wisely figured out that giving somebody a six-year contract when you're 36, and in pro sports, not much good happens after 35 unless you're Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. uh, 
we're not going to give that to him. But it, it's curious to me, other than Freddie is a California guy, so that may have played into it. He's, you know, his family's still out there and all that stuff. Not not his immediate family, but his, you know, people who grew up with it, all that still out in California. How much of a difference is it really in his pocket between the four-year deal that he was offered here? I think it was 132 million, whatever it is, and the 168 million over six years, when you consider how much he's going to have to pay in California state taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta signed uh, Matt And just Olson. the cost of living in general, aside from taxes. Oh, yeah. I mean- oh, yeah. I mean, it, Connie was talking about that last night about just going to the grocery store. I'm like, baby, I don't think he goes to the grocery store. <laughs> but yeah, the general buy a house the you buy a five million dollar house here and it is a mansion you go out to la five million dollars gets you double wide (laughs) (laughs) so i so i i don't i think it's probably a wash for him but after atlanta signed matt olson who is a younger version of freddie he's a gold glover great bat and i know this is not sports podcast but you know, people Thank are God. very torn up. Yeah, people are very torn up about it. Uh, my nephew, who's eight, uh, wears number five. He plays first base in Little League and stuff like that. Is is absolutely heartbroken over it. And that's and sad. It is, but baseball is a business. It's it's hard to explain to a to an eight year old that baseball is a business, and Freddie need to go make his money, and Atlanta need to. Need to spend their money more judiciously, but well, and also, I mean, it's not like Atlanta sports teams are any good. Like this has just been a little nice little run. So crying is normal if you're an Atlanta sports fan, you know. It is, other than winning the World Series last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, luck is luck. Well, I mean, and repeating <laughs> is very difficult. Uh, but. Atlanta has, or LA has positioned themselves to to get another one in three years. I mean, uh, they got one in 2020, Atlanta won in 2021, and signing Freddie Freeman kind of sets themselves up to be a, be a favorite to take the 2022. But again, it's not a sports podcast. I want to thank Jessica's Logic, my partners in Endeavor. Eric Cumbie, who takes the awful audio that I send him and turns it into something that you can listen to. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon